Hello, good morning, and thank you for listening very much so to the podcast. I appreciate you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I have a uh, little bit of a shorter episode today. It was a um, full disclosure. Today's interview is with somebody who uh, is a restaurateur, is an entrepreneur, uh, big fan of this person, Julia Resto. You will hear the interview momentarily. Um, she also, however, as a day job, happens to work with me out here at Craft Cannery. So, um, you know, the interview's a little shorter because chop, chop, we got to get back to work. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I, I pulled her out during her lunch break. <laughs> I go, you want to do, do a quick podcast during your lunch break? Sure, she says. Usually I do these things for an hour. In this case, I'm like, hey, lunch break's over. We got to go. I'm just kidding. I am not. The, I'm just kidding. You will hear it. It's fine. It's just naturally was a little shorter. But all joking aside, she does. Uh, she Julia has been out here at Craft Cannery now with me for a few weeks. Uh, she's brand new, but she's doing a phenomenal job. We have her in a prep cook position. And I mean, to have a an actual professional food person working in food prep for me is a dream come true it's you know i was talking to my wife about this just last night about there's this podcast i listen to how i built this everybody knows it's a great podcast for people who are into entrepreneurship businesses things like that and i've heard referenced a few times the stages of building a business right there's the startup stage which is just sort of what do they call that right muscling the business my friend lauren taught me that phrase you're 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 just kind of doing everything right and then second stage entrepreneurship is um putting people and processes in place in order to uh you know run the business because you are no longer physically capable of running every aspect the business has grown to an extent where you can't possibly do everything it's impossible right third stage would be uh what do they call thirds third stage is something like um many what do they call it? Small, important decisions or something. Many are, 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 no, no, it's called a few very important decisions. So basically, once you get to third stage, you are now in charge of making the decisions that will steer your company in a certain direction. You know, you're, you're steering the ship, if you will. And those decisions need to be really 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 well researched well thought out and well executed and so your job is to make these very pivotal decisions even though they are few in between you're making decisions a far fewer decisions but every one of those decisions have 10 maybe six figures on the line so you know a big deal uh, and then fourth stage, fifth stage, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I always listen and hear about that. And I was talking to my wife about it last night. And it's interesting because I feel in, firmly ensconced in second stage entrepreneurship right now. It's about people and processes for me. It is no longer about actually making the sauce. Now, I don't want you to hear that as Polly's not hands-on. There are still plenty of things that I am hands-on with in terms of making the sauce. I am, first of all, I'm the first one here every single morning, and I make those first couple kettles of sauce myself. They're prepped by my team. Actually, these days, they're prepped by the great Julia Resto, who you will hear today. But they're prepped uh, for me, so everything's weighed out, and it's easy i'm not i don't want to take too much credit for what i do in the morning but there's that and then there's also r&d of which i usually have a pretty heavy hand in as well so it's not like paulie's not making sauce please don't hear that and also please don't hear me speaking in the third person and think what a dick but <laughs> but in general it is literally impossible for me at this point to play every position in my business and it's about putting the right people and processes in place so getting somebody like julia here who is a professional 
cook. She's a professional person, uh, kitchen worker, chef, whatever you want to say. And and having her do food prep, it's just been such a, br- a breath of fresh air. I've tried to stick a couple of people in that position over the years, and they were people who were just, you know, hey, yeah, I thought, yeah, I'll try that. But here's somebody who's passionate about it and good at it, and she's just been so good at it. And so I appreciate her in being one of those people and processes that I've been able to put in place to help me build my business. She's just been fantastic. But today's podcast is about helping her build her business, right? Let's help her build her business because Fat Girl Foods needs you. They need you. Before we get to that, I do want to comment on two things. First of all, I'm sitting here and it is freezing. I'm in my car. I'm in the parking lot at Craft Cannery. I've snuck out momentarily here to record this intro and it is snowing. It is, uh, it's Thursday, so this comes out on Sunday. This is three days ago, right? It is snowing and it, it got me thinking, when am I going to finally stop paying the plow guy? I know we still have a lot of winter to go here, but it's been a few years now that we have not gotten our money's worth from the plow guy. When am I going to learn that lesson? That's the first thing I want to talk about. Second thing I want to talk about is the Super Bowl for two seconds. I thought it was a phenomenal game, especially, obviously, the end. Uh, Travis Kelsey yelling at Andy Reid. I think that the passion that happens on a sideline is something that happens a lot more often than any of us realize. That being said, he physically ran into the guy, and that is absolutely unacceptable and should be brought in. uh, There should should have been a, a, a very sincere public apology for the physical aspect of that, even though it may have been a bit of an accident. But still, that being said, I don't want to make excuses for the guy. Travis Kelsey, to me, came off a little barbaric there um now that being said yeah i get the passion and i enjoy the passion of of being a competitive person so i'm not i'm not writing travis kelsey off because of it i would however love love to hear the conversation happening within taylor swift's pr team when something like that happens like can can taylor swift's pr team like persuade her to like break up like could you imagine if his audio went viral right he's mic'd up for the Super Bowl what if he yelled at Andy Reid and he said something we'll just say anything cancelable right he said something cancelable would Taylor Swift's team and would Taylor Swift's team be like you have to break up with him and she would be like no I don't want to and they would be like you have to I don't know I don't know what would happen in that case anyway um and then the last thing I wanted to talk about um, is uh, the uh, it's something about Grandma Browns. This keeps coming up. I've had uh, I, I get one every few weeks. I did this thing months ago where I, I put on Facebook that I was interested in talking to the woman who owns Grandma Browns to bring the beans back to shelves. Right, it is a sought after item, and they don't, no longer exist. They've not been producing for a long time. I ended up talking to her at one point. She was very much not interested. And I've had people ever since then reaching out to say whatever happened with that. And I'm always telling these people, look, she doesn't want to sell the business. She told me she's not interested. And so now people reach out to me and they say, I got a beans recipe. I got a beans recipe. That's great. What I want to explain is that's not the hard part. The hard part are two really important things. One is the brand is half the, not half the battle. 
I'm going to take that back. The brand is 90% of the battle. She's built the brand. But the other part of it is the actual processing. The beans recipe is one thing, but actually putting them in a can and then using the retort process to make that shelf stable, that's a low acid food item right there. That is not something I'm capable of here at Craft Cannery. I would need something called a retort machine to be able to do that. And um, so, again, people just keep on saying, like, hey, how hard could it be? just make a beans recipe that is similar that's not the hard part the making the beans recipe that is similar would actually be probably the easiest part in the whole process frankly it's the brand and then of course the actual physical manufacturing of of shelf stable beans right okay all right anyway Thank you so much for tuning in. Let's get to the interview. This is my girl, Julia Resto, Fat Girl Foods. Enjoy. Girl foods in the house, baby. Hey, hey. Hell yeah. <laughs> Julia, what's going on? Not much. Thanks Not for doing much. this real quick. Thanks. thanks on short me. notice. I gave you like a one hour notice. <laughs> I know. It's cool. It's cool. I like it. <laughs> I appreciate it. it. Make sure hold the mic right up to your ear. Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Right. Uh, thank you for doing this. I want to talk about Fat Girl Foods because right. we got to drive some business to Fat Girl Foods. Yes, man. yes. Let's get some orders. Let's All go. Orders. Let's go. You have had your journey, though, to opening Fat Girl Foods has been one of the most like I talk about the roller coaster of entrepreneurship a lot but your roller coaster of life you were sharing some things with me and I, I'm sorry if this gets emotional at all but I feel like your story has to get out there because what you're doing with Fat Girl Foods is so beautiful and you deserve all the success in the world um, and it's just it's been yeah but it it's it didn't start like it's been a complicated road yes very very where, where did you grow up roller coasters so i grew up pretty much like gates grease city okay rochester all right but mostly gates um with my grandparents uh back and forth between my mom and dad mm-hmm. um yeah I, I mean that you know i i have a question i always ask which is if i had talked to you when you were 18 years old what would you have told me you were going to be when you grew up and that's a fair question for you as well obviously but you have a twist to that that i don't think i've ever had to deal with and that is that yeah. when you were 18 years old what i had a one-year-old you are already a mother <laughs> yeah i was actually yeah. i was a mom and i was married wow. i got um married at 17 um i moved out of the house at 16 and what that moved out of the house at 16 yeah, yeah how yeah. does that come to be so 
Uh, basically, I was just dumb. <laughs> but no, um, there was a lot more to it. You know, my father struggled with uh, mental health, um, bipolar, um, and also addiction. So when I was about 16, he had went to jail, and my mom was in a rehab center. So oh I really didn't have I'm anybody. Sorry. And my grandparents were definitely there for me. Um, but like I said, I was dumb. And, you know, I knew better than them. And they didn't like my boyfriend. And I just loved him so much, you know. <laughs> so, you know, I just made some pretty stupid choices. Were and grandma and grandpa sort of, were they old school or were yeah, they? Were they definitely old school. Okay. Um, so really, you, got, you got a little, you got some, you had some, dis you went from mom and dad to yeah. a discipline. And, yeah. And you weren't feeling it. And yeah. And they were definitely like um, not about boys dating like yeah. my dad too like i i was not allowed to talk to boys which i think it may have, back, may have backfired <laughs> yeah maybe. backfired just a little <laughs> bit because then it was like oh what, what i can't do like okay yeah so you know <laughs> hey listen he just said talk he didn't say the others <laughs> right, right so you know so here i am 16 10th grade and um i'm like that summer like i know better than you and i'm not gonna go back to your house and so i moved in with my boyfriend which you know, looking back, it was really stupid. He was a lot older than me. Mm. He was 25, um, mm. and I was 16. But, you know, love, I love him. Mm. So silly. But, I'm you know, so sorry. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, then I found myself, not found myself pregnant. I got pregnant <laughs> a year, about a year later. Um, and at that point, I was very determined to, like, because I'm, I'm stubborn. So, you know, like I wasn't going to be the typical teen mom. I'm not going to drop out of school. I didn't go to parties. I was very, I, I mean, I would call myself a hard worker and like very determined. So while, you know, 16, 17 at this point, I just had her. I'm just starting my senior year and I was going to Gates Chai Lai, but I don't think they liked the pregnancy aspect of my life so they were like no you know I think a different school would be better and I technically wasn't in the district because I had mm. moved in with my boyfriend so they sent me off to East High which is a city school and yeah wasn't really the greatest um so then I uh I was like well I'm gonna make sure that I don't live up to anybody's expectations and I made sure I went to school I was working 40 hours a week had my kid stayed home like never went to a party never got drunk well, you you were saying that you, as far as not living up to expectations you mean that in the way of they thought oh she's a lost cause and you were like right yeah no right. I'm not a lost cause right and yeah. I was like oh I'm gonna make sure that I don't have any of those stereotypes right like I don't want to fall into the partier the one who drops the kid off at grandma's every week like, yeah determined so you know i just so you, you go get a job and and we have a mutual uh was it your first employer yes mcdonald's, McDonald's baby McDonald's, you got time to lean got time to clean <laughs> that's right that's love right it, it, it was a great first job wasn't it was it? it was a great first job. and you were just telling me before we started recording that you you think that people who came from fast food background and by the way i agree with you what, what were you saying that, that you think they... They definitely have a, a stronger work ethic, and I think that they work harder. Um, Especially who, those of us who worked in fast food, 
you know, decades ago. Yes. I, I don't, it's I don't, different now. I don't know about today. Maybe it might be a little different. Not is as it? great. But I will say that, you know, in the late 90s, which is when I worked at McDonald's, it, you had to freaking hustle. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You hustled. And, and it wasn't, and I was, you were making, you know, minimum wage. And, like, you didn't even get break food for free. No. Like, you had to pay. You got 50% off yeah, to eat yeah. food on your break. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, it was crazy. It but, was crazy. But it was, it was, it, it was intense. And you learned processes and you learned. Yeah, it definitely, the training there definitely set me up for a good work future, I think. Like, they taught me a lot. I really did learn a lot from McDonald's. Did you feel like you were going to be an entrepreneur? Uh, Not really. You know, honestly, after I had my, my daughter, I didn't really have too many, like, personal dreams or aspirations mm. you know it was just like about her yeah and pretty much everything i became a mom like julia didn't really exist i was just going through the motions working um yeah that was pretty much it making sure that i could provide a life for her yeah but you know i think in the back of my mind i always wanted to open up like some type of food service place yeah well well just to credit you too and to show you how capable you are and how smart and, and good you are is that you rose the ranks you were a manager at mcdonald's by yep. the time you were 18 right 18 i yeah. mean that's a big deal like that they, they don't just promote anybody you've, no. you've got to be good at it and yeah. you've got to be fast-paced smart multitasker mm-hmm. customer service friendly and able to manage people and you got all that at 18 yeah it was it was a really good experience too because like it really set me up for a good future as far as like um, the do's and the don'ts and the McDonald's is very structured, mm. you know, so like it really taught me a lot of like the process and like like They're very like this is what you do. You don't do this, you mm-hmm. know, so mm-hmm. and I think that translates well into life but it also can kind of cause some issues because not everything's black and white true. That's true so, If you want to learn all about the diverse foods of Rochester and Buffalo and don't want to do the work, Nominate is made for you. Nominate runs events where you order a meal that feeds two people, packaged to go for $40, but the twist is you have no idea what you're getting until you pick it up. Each meal comes from one typically small minority-owned restaurant. We work with them to select dishes that best represent their cuisine and make sure you have a fun experience. We host events at Three Heads Brewing, Fatty Beer in Rochester in the neighborhood of play, the new home of Black Button Distilling on University Avenue, and in Buffalo at the fantastic Nowhere Lounge located in the heart of Kenmore. Drink pairings are available for sale at each event that work well with the food. Follow us on social media at Nominate Meals and go to nominatemeals.com to order your meal for an upcoming event. Join the nomination. So we're going to fast forward through a lot because I, yeah. I, you know, the work history, I think there's there's a lot of work history. Right? A lot yeah, of work, work history. history. <laughs> but why don't we fast forward all the way to COVID. Let's go to yes. like 2020. And at this point, Fat Girl Foods doesn't exist yet, Does right? Does not exist. Fat Girl Foods, to my knowledge, came around early 2023. Correct? Yes, that's when we opened okay. the brick and mortar. Okay. And legal. Yeah, came yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's talk about like tw- from like COVID on because this is when things really start to get, you know, I don't want to use the word interesting because there's tragedy in here, but also there's a lot of story to tell. So let's get right into it. Right. So 2020, COVID comes around. Um, you you go home, right? No job. You yeah. were working at Jeremiah's, I think, right? Yeah. And now it's like no job, uh, unemployment, 
Um, the restaurants get shut down. Yeah. And what were you doing and thinking in 2020? What was life going to look like for you for the well, next? 2020. While? It was it was nice um, in the aspect that like it was the first time I really got to spend quality time with my kids mm-hmm. and family, and um, it it was you know. It was nice because it kind of put a pause on life, so we got to really think a little more. Um, And then in the summer of 2020, I became pregnant with my fourth child. And uh, we kind of kept it a secret, actually, because, you know, everybody, my sisters especially, always were like, oh, my God, you always get pregnant. <laughs> yeah, so, sounds like you weren't, weren't exactly wearing a mask. <laughs> but not. <laughs> so, you know, so I kept it kind of quiet. But then, like, around October 2020, um, I announced it. And it was my older daughter's quinceanera. So at the party, I pretty much told everybody, like, hey, we're expecting I'm due February 18th. 21 everybody was super excited um we had picked out a name and we were just super stoked you know um my my third daughter is my third child Carmela she was 18 months at the time so it was nice because I was excited to have two close together Mm -hmm. you know um and then November 17th 2020 um it was it was a terrible day actually so it was a good part of the day for the beginning um you know I had just told my sister that we decided on a name uh for the baby her name was going to be Azaria Rose and it just kind of came to me in a dream Mm -hmm. like I don't know like it really was like a premonition it was weird but um you know and then that evening my friend had asked me to take her to drop her car off at a car shop so we did that and it was about 9 nine thirty, and um we're driving down buffalo road i'm about to bring her home and buffalo road like out in chai Lai type area north chai Lai. and um we were just you know just driving it was dark and there's this corner stony point and it comes like to it ends at buffalo road and there's a stop sign um, and this man, uh, Andrew Reardon, was driving his car, um, and he was a drugged driver. He was under the influence, and he did not stop at the stop sign, and he hit me head on, and um, obviously, like, the airbags and everything deploy, and because, you know, we're going, like, 50, because, like, 55 through there, so, um, and uh, he hit me head on, and I just remember, like, first thing like get out of the car so I'm trying to get out the car and the door wouldn't open and this man like this other man that was behind us driving had stopped and he came and he like basically dragged me out of the car and really the last thing I remember saying was like I'm pregnant like I'm pregnant like call the ambulance I'm pregnant and um then I pretty much passed out and I uh woke up in the hospital about four or five days later and found out that my daughter did not survive the accident. I'm so sorry. Thank you. It was um, it was really tragic, you know. Um, we were very excited for her, and it was just really tragic, honestly. Um, I had a lot of surgeries. I was in a coma for about four or five days, and then um, I actually died like three times in the on the really? hospital table. So it's oh. interesting. Do you have? I mean, I know you're in a coma and you're literally dead do you have any memories at all from that actually i do and it's so like it's three years now since the accident so like i've become like more 
not as emotional every time I say it, you know. So one of the like not funny things, but semi funny things was um, like in the coma. I remember like and this is still COVID. So like I thought that like I was not in Rochester. I didn't know where I was at that time. Strong had just put out that big white like dome out out in front. And um, that was all I could see out of my window. But, like, I was drifting in and out of the coma. And um, I remember thinking, like, I'm in Russia. <laughs> like, for some reason, I felt like I was, like, in Russia in some COVID experiment. And I was like, what the hell? Like, get me out of here. And, like, I was very feisty, they said. Um, in all of the doctor's notes, all of them say, like, I was just fighting everybody. So, and then they told me that my mom was coming to visit. And I was like, my mom is not coming to Russia. Like, <laughs> I don't know what you're thinking. There's no way my mom's coming here. But it turns out it was because of the nurse. She had a Russian accent. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> the whole time I'm just hearing the accent and I'm thinking I'm in Russia. So that was an interesting part. But yeah, like. So how long was your medical recovery? I mean, it. it a while. Yeah. So I was in the hospital originally for two weeks. And, um. I begged and pleaded to go home. So they finally let me go. And then I was home for about three days and ended up back in the hospital with sepsis. So that was terrible because it was like a whole body infection. When I was in, I was there for another two weeks. And at this point, like I'm, you know, no visitors, COVID. So it was just me chilling up at the hospital with all the nurses. And it was like, it was a lot because, like, I have a big family and, you they know. couldn't come visit, right? Yeah, yeah. no visitors, nothing. Yeah. And yeah. it was so isolating. That was the worst part. <clears throat> so you have this long recovery. There's also the legal side of things, which is the fact that, and I, I looked this up in the news, you know, just because I, I knew you were going to say what you were going to say and I had to make sure that, you know, that, that I, anyway. <laughs> Yes, like you had, you were legally entitled to sue this guy at this point, yeah, right? Yeah, definitely. And so you do, and you call <laughs> William Attar, <laughs> which is funny because you see the commercials. My son sometimes walks around our living room going, William Attar, call two 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 two. Like he doesn't know the phone number. He just like, but anyway, so you call and and that works into some sort of a settlement, right? Yeah. And you end up with some cash. We don't have to talk about exactly how much you ended up with or anything, but yeah. you end up with a settlement, which frankly you did disclose to me. I don't think we should disclose on the podcast, but I will say for what you suffered, there is no number, and that number specifically is not good enough yeah but yeah. i'm sorry i i yeah you know maybe it we shouldn't really dive is, into that but it's stupid but you got some cash got we'll just some. say that you get some cash in the bank account mm-hmm. and you are now it's what 2021 right yeah it's the the middle of 21 um summer 21 and at this point though before i got the settlement i was still fighting the lawyers fighting the court and all that and i needed to make money because like i wasn't getting any kind of help i wasn't getting any social services disability because all a rigmarole you know like so much so I, that was when I originally started, yeah. like, selling tacos. This is the light bulb moment for this Fat Girl is. Foods. Okay, so, so bring us to that light right. bulb moment. So, as a lot of people know, I am a supporter of cannabis. And a 
partaker. <laughs> but I um, also like I there at this time period, a lot of weed festivals were popping up. Like New York was right on the verge of legalizing it or it might have just gotten legalized. I can't quite remember. But so they were doing all these pop ups. And like, I'm no drug dealer and I'm not going to sell weed. But I'll sell a bunch of tacos to a bunch of high people. So that's what I did. I set <laughs> Wait up a, a second. Little... Hold on. I thought that was Taco Bell's tagline. Right, did they yeah. already? No. I got to steal right. it. <laughs> so I'm like, forget it, right? Fuck it. So I, pop, I have my little pop-up tent. And like, at this point, I have like no equipment. It's literally like my camping equipment. Like a yeah. pop-up tent and a little two-burner stove and my cast iron. So and I'm can I ask there. this question? Are you? Do you get a health permit, or you just kind of fly? You're just kind of. I didn't even know about. Health can I? Permit. Can I just tell you, Julia? I I got respect for that. <laughs> I think that we have to understand that most food businesses do start as hustles out of out of home yeah, kitchens. I mean, and, and you know, the commissary downtown exists now, and a big part of their original mission mm-hmm. was to help stop that from happening as often as it does but i've said it before i think the statute of limitations is up but in 2013 before i launched google ammo sauce my first like and i mean it was small but my first maybe like like one thousand dollars in sales literally like a like not that much was was illegal sales it was out of the trunk of my car at a gas station on the corner you know it was i mean we went legit pretty fast after that but It was, yeah. you know, that's how people st- you start, you hustle. And also, um, I was told by somebody once that sometimes uh, asking forgiveness is better than asking permission. Everywhere other than Craft Cannery. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I, I tend to do that sometimes. You know? Yeah, yeah. So but you start selling tacos. Start selling tacos. At weed festivals. Yes. <laughs> and um, it it turned out pretty good. Everybody loved my tacos. And so then from there, I was like, all right, well, let me add some nachos. And it just kind of grew. And then my kids, they always liked my tacos and crunch wraps. So I started with what we call the OG crunch wrap. Yeah. So it's basically Taco Bell's typical taco crunch wrap. You got your taco meat, lettuce, cheese, the crunchy taco, sour cream, salsa. And those were a huge hit. So I was like, all right. So I got, excuse me, started doing that a little more, started um, coming up with just different flavors, different ideas, chicken, beef, you know, whatever. And then I was like, well, let's do something else. So I did pulled pork and mac and cheese and potatoes, home fries. And I was like, since it was at a weed festival, I was like, all right, I'm going to call it the 420 because, you know, that's what you do. <laughs> so that became like the bestseller everybody was loving it and i was like all right so at this point i have like a little team um my at this point my friend tamisha we were just friends and she really 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 helped me so we started doing every weekend we were at a different festival every single weekend sometimes two or three depending on how they fell we were selling out at every event like it was going great and this was right before i got the settlement but like it was in the works so Mm -hmm. like i knew i was going to be getting it and um, then once I got the settlement, I was like, all right, I need to make this count because yeah. it's never going to happen another time in my life. So that you got some money in the bank. Right. And which is a lot of times what hurts people trying to start a business is 
the capital, the money. Yeah. Starting off with the money, which is why I do tell people that you need, people think they need money to start a business. It's true. You need some money. You need customers to start a business. Yeah. Which is what you did right. Because customers equal money. So if you have customers, you can start a business because your customers become your money. But right. so many people just spent so much time trying to figure out how to raise money to start a business you just gotta start the business and honestly that is the hard part because like then I started trying to get like into the legal side like okay well I need to do this legitly and then it's like there's so much and I'm like I don't know where to start yeah yeah so that's been the tough part but making the food that's always come natural to me so so when do you go legit when does it all flip we get the building um Pretty much exactly two years after the accident, mm-hmm. November eighteenth, twenty twenty-two. Okay. So it was pretty like uh, special because it was literally the to the day. You and know? where where is the building? Because it's building where you are is, today, right? Yes. Yeah. Twenty fifty Dewey Avenue. Okay. And it's on the corner of Winchester, the good part of Dewey. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> just had to clarify. And you guys uh, are on all the apps too, right? The, yeah. The, the DoorDash, Grubhub, all that. Yes, DoorDash, yeah. Grubhub. And you're open till three a.m. Yes, three a.m. on oh, Friday oh, oh, oh. nights. Um, and you know, so like, we got the building, and now we're like, all right, this is going to be great. And then I found out a lot more information that I did that I probably should have done a little more homework. But what are you talking about? About the building or about yeah, the- like the building and like different like permits that you need and oh like to put up a sign yeah you need like a permit just to put put up a sign i learned that one the hard way too so we we put a sign in our front yard here at craft cannery and i had somebody come uh from the town to check on us you know a couple days after we put this sign up and he's just kind of like oh yeah it looks good so you put up the sign and i was like yeah thanks and he's just kind of like yeah so the sign just here to talk about the sign i'm like oh well yep got it from vital signs uh you know they'll do a good job for you do you need a recommendation he's like well i'm just from the town and i was just wondering did you run it by anybody before you? <laughs> That's so forgiveness forgiveness yes. instead of permission yeah sometimes yeah. Anyway. sometimes so you know we've been uh, creative with trying to get a sign that isn't really a sign because there's a lot of like loopholes if it's art then it's not a sign uh, so uh, and if it's like a flag okay. then it's not a sign what was your first health inspection like was that a, a <sighs> so stressful? the first health inspection was it was actually pretty good yeah but um there was just little things like i didn't know that the bathroom door needed like an automatic shutter like oh yeah we yeah. had to, i got the same thing here yeah i got busted here for that i didn't that know. was the only thing i got on my first inspection yep. bad was that my bathroom door didn't shut automatically yeah. that's crazy like, you oh, say that okay i forgot all about so that so random yeah. but all right so yeah so you know just little things because you know i've been in food service for so long so as far as like food safety i'm pretty well versed you know yeah. i've had my level one since i was 18 serve safe yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that part was good. But it's the the little things that you don't know. Like, oh, there's a door that connects the restaurant to the house. Mm -hmm. And, like, there's actually, like, three doors. This building is, like, the house. Because you also, uh, I I don't know if we should say you live there or not. Maybe we should. (laughs) That's actually not how I think about it. No, it's fine. I tell everybody. And honestly, like, even if we're not open, if you want something, call up. It's so so old school that you live, like, next to your restaurant because that's how, like, life was, I think, in the 1800s in America. It was like you hang a shingle and then you live upstairs. Yeah, Yeah. I'm like a real (laughs) pilgrim. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) But So how do things go? So 
you've built an audience already, and and you you are you do you start off kind of gangbusters? You're pretty busy. Not really. So like, okay. that was that, and it's still kind of the hard part, right? Because like before, we were going to the people. We were going to festivals, to events, and we were getting a lot of great feedback. Everybody loved it. But, like, now we're in this building, and we're like, all right, like, where are the people? But it's hard because, like, when you're in a festival setting and you want that fun festival food, and you know, like, that's the vibe. But, like, if you're just driving around for lunch, you might not think, like, I could really go for a crunch wrap right now. You know, like, that might not be the top of your mind because it's not typical. But so it was a little hard trying to get people to come in, um, you know, like just on the regular. Mm-hmm. But we did uh, increase once we got delivery and the all the apps. That's really when it all increased. Okay. That's really when like. How do you like working with the apps? I've heard mixed. Things. Yeah, they they could be they, better. You just said the good thing. They brought business. They did, but they take a lot in fees. Yeah. And also like if people cancel the orders or like say they didn't get something or like you know it really hurts the small businesses. They, they just they those apps just kind of punish you for that right like i get the meal i say i didn't like it or something was missing and they just believe me and charge you (laughs) the restaurant yeah that's unfair i've heard that that's terrible actually i had called doordash one day and i was like well i mean people lie they're like no i'm like no no like they do (laughs) like people no people nah no what are you talking about never heard of that lie What? What is that? Yeah. Yeah. So, but they they do work well because it is helpful with it just being me and my girlfriend Tamisha. Like, we're it's just us two running this whole operation, you know. So like, on days when we have like four or five walk-ins and she's the only one in the back because now I'm up front, that's harder. So with the apps, it's helpful because it's kind of like our front end person in a sense, mm-hmm. you know. Like, we don't have to take the order, we don't have to cash them out. We just get the food and hand it out. Do you have an oh you so you have a f- open front door I can walk in and order? Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Like I mean, you've heard of ghost kitchen? Yes. So did you ever consider going ghost kitchen? Just to- yeah. So <laughs> looking back, <laughs> there's a lot of things that I probably should have looked more into but i will say like could i just say for people that don't know what a ghost kitchen is is basically a restaurant that's not actually open to the public it's just on the apps yeah so you're basically you don't need to have a an open front door you don't need to have anyone working up front right. you're just filling orders and then the DoorDash drivers yeah. are showing up. And you usually rent out the space from another restaurant. Yes. So you're sharing costs. And sometimes the... they're working at the same time, which I've been learning too. Yeah. Like which... they literally like maybe, I don't know, say any restaurant, say ABC restaurant is open. A Pauly's restaurant, Pauly's restaurant is open. And then Julia says, hey, I'll rent space from you. And you come in and I'm literally serving my customers my menu and you're serving your customers your menu out of the same kitchen. And I'm, I'm actually still kind of confused on how all of that part works. Yeah, yeah. But... I don't know. It'd be interesting. And, and that's the thing. I want to get more um, knowledgeable about those types of things. Because I think for me, the biggest part of this has been the lack of knowledge. There's yeah. so much I don't know. Yeah. And it's like, I just really wish that I had um, taken that time 
to maybe learn a little bit more of the business side, not so much the cooking. Because the cooking isn't a problem. I have that down Yeah, there. that's the talent, right? Yeah. Well, any yeah. anybody, I've been saying this recently. I, I'm lucky enough that I get asked to speak a lot. And I've been saying this a lot recently that early on in business, you have to do everything because you just, you, you can't hire people. You just right. can't afford it when you're early on. And it, when you think about all the different departments of a business, you have HR, accounting, the, the you know the the product like you yeah. said the cooking right marketing um you know and it, it, customer operations service. customer service it just goes on and on and on yes. and you just can't hire all those departments right so you do it all and you as a human being like any other human being can't possibly be good at everything <laughs> right. so there's got to be some things and so that's where mentors I yes. believe the answer is mentors yes. find people who are good who have done it because people love to help yeah they love to help I, I yeah. struggle with like uh asking like not asking for help because i do ask for help i guess it's like the follow-up like hey polly can you help me and then you'll be like yeah and then that'll be the end of it for me <laughs> like i never go any further so i'm like yeah all right so i gotta really work on like okay yeah, yeah. these are the specifics you well know? I, you know we we gotta you know we both gotta go but at the end so fat girl foods open what what are your current hours and right how do they now get a hold we are thursday 5 p.m to 10 p.m friday 5 p.m to 3 a.m and then saturday we're gonna do daytime hours now we were nighttime but it was very hit or miss um so we're really gonna try to capture the day crowd and then work in some of our specials so saturday we're 11 a.m to 5 p.m so you you're clopening on Friday night. You're staying yeah. open until three, and then on Saturday you're you're opening early. Yeah, the clopen. Yeah. You remember that from the McDonald's days? <laughs> sure do. The, clo- <laughs> the goddamn clopen. I would get scheduled. I'd come in to my manager and I'd bitch. I'd be Laura. I was here till eleven o'clock last night. Why am I scheduled for five a.m.? Right. And like that would happen all the time. So you've now scheduled yourself as for a clopen. Yep. Yeah, yeah, nice. I, I'm not the you know smartest. <laughs> I guess I love that you're open till three. A- no, you're smart. You're very yeah. smart. I love that you're open till three a.m. on Friday night. Definitely, there's nothing open. No, it's nothing. if you try to DoorDash at one a.m. on a Friday, which yeah. I'm not super proud to say I know this for a fact. <laughs> you have like maybe you know maybe like the Taco Bells of the world, which yeah. screw them. But like you might have a couple of that, but not. Yeah, there's really mm. nothing. And then especially like okay down. By like Monroe, they they have a couple like late night places like by the bars and stuff. But like go towards Greece or the mm. city, there's nothing, nothing open. Nothing. Fat so, Girl Foods with a PH. With a PH because we're pretty hot and tasty. <laughs> PHAT, I love it. <laughs> Julia, P-H-A-T. thank you so much. Thanks thank for doing you, this. Everybody, order some Fat Girl Foods yes. tonight. Do it tonight. Wait, it's a Sunday. No. This comes out on a Sunday. Yeah. Okay, do it this Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Yes. <laughs> thank, thank you, Julia. You. This has been a presentation of the Lunchador Podcast Network. <laughs>